Saturday, February 2nd, 2019, and welcome to Flickr Effect. This is episode 281. I'm David Lotz. Joining me this week is Bobby Jackson. Hey, what's up? What's up? And that's it. Just me and you, man. <laughs> it's it's rare. Every now and then we'll get one where it's just me and you, and it always reminds me of like uh, the throwback of when it was me, you, and Carlton, and then Carlton left, and then it was just kind of me and you for a little while. So yeah. it's kind of like a little throwback to that, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. But uh, yeah, just me and you this week. Um, yeah. I think uh, we've probably got some stuff we've watched to talk about, maybe some news to talk about. Uh, so let's just jump right in it, shall we? Um, yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, like I said, we we normally like start with uh, talking about what we've been watching lately. So uh, what, what have you watched this week? Well, I, I've watched, since there's not anything really in the theaters right now to check out, yeah. not just yet anyway. Yeah, not, not um, really at all. No, I'm there's stuff, but you know, it's it's nothing specifically that I'm like chomping at the bit to watch. So I've just been kind of taking that time to catch up on some shows that came back recently and also on some Netflix stuff. So a couple shows that just came back recently. One was uh Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access and for anyone who don't know about doesn't know about that show, it's um, Discovery is uh, a show that takes place within the timeline of when the USS Enterprise was around with the original crew. It takes place within that same timeline, but the Discovery is on a different mission. And this season, it started off sort of hitting the ground running and. Um, they have uh, Captain Pike on the ship from the original Enterprise that you really only saw in the first episode. And then he is actually a, a pretty interesting character, and he, he's very uh, charismatic, I would say, as a captain. he um, The actor, I forget his name, but he played in, uh, unfortunately, the last thing he was in was The Inhumans. That was on ABC, and he played Black Bolt, but uh, and and he didn't get to do much in that role because if anyone <laughs> knows the character of Black Bolt, he doesn't really talk, and so didn't see him do much. But in this, he he's very uh, outgoing and, and and seems like a, a a cool character, and it's interesting in that you didn't obviously get to know the character very well from the original Star Trek, so seeing him here is kind of cool to see how he would have been if you would have gotten a little bit more exposure of that character and it's uh i think i'm i think it's up to four episodes now and i think i've watched three and it feels this season more like actual original star trek and uh, next generation star trek where it feels more like uh, an exploration show or finding different things even though that's not specifically what this season is about it has those elements to where it feels more familiar 
as well as expanding upon the things that they started last season. So it's been really, really good. Yeah, man, I've been I've been dying to like get back into that show from the first season because I got so behind. But one one of these days. It, it, yeah. hurt, it hurts as a Star Trek fan that I'm not. Oh, I know it's it, and and then I was just hearing today. I think that they said that the Picard series is supposed to come out this year too, and I actually wasn't expecting that. I was thinking it wasn't coming out until next year. So yeah, no, yeah, I it, hadn't I hadn't even heard that. So that's yeah, that's surprising. It would be coming out that soon. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you gotta at some point get back on the on the Star Trek train because. It's definitely rolling right now, and um, I'm liking what they're doing with Discovery. So I'd be curious to see what you think once you're able to really get back into the series again. Yeah, yeah. One of these days. In the meantime, <laughs> when I in the meantime when I get to what I've been watching, you're gonna shake your head and go, "What? What the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> but go on. We'll get to well, that. Well, I think at this point, I, I've I've kind of succumbed to the fact that you're going to watch the things that tend to uh, grab your attention in the moment of of that time. Like, there's a lot of good shows out there that I'm sure either would possibly be on your list or um, maybe are at least peripherally in your attention span. But I've, I've, I feel like I, I know you well enough to know that even though these things are on your list or things you really want to see, it's all about really what's calling to you within the limited amount of time that you have to watch stuff. So, and, and the things that you choose, I, I just kind of like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> it wouldn't be my choice, but yeah, that's it. If you're watching something, you're watching something. Well, like, but, uh, we'll obviously get ahead. to it, but like one of my things I've been watching this week is more it's timing. There's a timing reason to it, but mm. we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. Um, one of the other shows that came back for me is The Magicians on Sci-Fi Channel. And I think uh, I'm going to get it wrong because I don't have it in front of me. But I think this is the fourth season. And it's, once again, very solid. I, I love the show. It's it's kind of like if you had an adult version of Harry Potter mixed in with Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia. Mm -hmm. It's it's this very fantasy yet um, magic and aspects of, uh, I guess, these adult ish characters, maybe in their twenties, late twenties. I'd say they're still kind of figuring life out while having to deal with everything else that's going on within the the world of magic and stuff. So it's it's a it's a grown-up series for sure because there's they drop f bombs. The there's sex and everything else on the show, so it's definitely not for kids. But it's a good, good, solid series, and it already I think if I remember right, it already got picked up for another season. So it's it's just doing very well, and I unfortunately don't know too many people who watch it, so it's not like anyone I can talk to about the show, but. Uh, it's such a good show, and I would suggest it if anyone's looking for something based on what I just mentioned in terms of that kind of crossover field for fantasy and, and magic and all that kind of stuff that I think would pique other people's interest. So, yeah, that's over on Sci-Fi. And, yeah, that's it just started the fourth season. Like you were, okay. And it has been renewed for a fifth. 
cool. Yeah, glad I was right on that and <laughs> wasn't just pulling that out of my butt. So, Which is the fact-checking uh, department over here. I'm, I've got you covered. <laughs> Perfect. Um, another show that I just started recently was Deadly Class, and that's also on Sci-Fi. Yeah, it's I've, been, based off I've been interested comic. in that. Yeah. I so for me it was when I first saw the previews for it and everything, I it didn't completely grab me. I was like, Oh, okay. And I knew it was based on a on a comic or a graphic novel. And um it just for whatever reason, uh the my interest was in the fact that it was being made and produced by the Russo brothers and it had Benedict Wong in it that I knew mm-hmm. obviously from um Doctor Strange, and it's this this essential aspect of this story is about these uh, kids that are in this school for assassins, training to be future assassins, and it takes place in the eighties. And then uh, one of the main characters, he's the school is made up of cliques in a sense of people who come from families that have sent their kids to this school that um, essentially are training them to be future assassins of um, assassins of America. And um, there's a, a bottom class that they're referred to as rats who don't come from anyone. And so they're still accepted into the school, a few amount of them, but they're picked on by pretty much everyone. And uh, it's about this one particular character who in, is the main lead and he's a rat and he's got uh his own sort of plans and the way he thinks in terms of the lessons being taught by the school and everything. And it's, it's pretty interesting. It, it it takes the, the aspects of what you would expect in any other genre when you're dealing with high school kids and the different cliques and the popular kids and the the nerds and everything, but it, it gives it a, a, a specific bent towards the fact that, uh, this is really a deadly class. Like people can die and, and there's all kinds of different things that are going on just beneath the surface of, of the school. And I, I'm liking it. It's only, uh, I think I've watched, let's see, maybe three episodes. I think they're three on the third or fourth episode and yeah, I, I'm digging it. So I didn't know if I was going to be into it and watch the first episode. And I was like, eh, okay, it's, it's fine. And then uh, by second episode, I was I was definitely on board. So uh, I would say give that a try out there if you're looking for something kind of slightly different than the normal comic book type movie or TV show that's based in um, you know hero hero aspects. This isn't that, and it's, it's something different. Yeah, I, I'm curious about it. It's unfortunate it doesn't. I was wondering if it's like available on something like Hulu, which it doesn't look like it is, but. Um... Maybe I could just mm. download the sci-fi app and sign into that. Maybe watch those yeah. previous episodes. I'll have to try you, that. You probably could actually. And um, I remember the first episode was available for free on YouTube, I want to say, or something, yeah. or even on the sci-fi app or something. I, I saw that the pilot was on YouTube. I don't know if it still is or if that was a permanent thing or what. but Yeah. So that's one way people can catch it, at least to get a taste of it, to see if it's enough to interest them in checking it out. Right. And the other thing that I got a chance to watch was this documentary that came out 
um, it's been in the theater, but it just recently debuted on CNN. I, I heard about it and missed it the first time it was on. And then I set my uh, recorder for it for to record when it came back on. And it's called Three Identical Strangers. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Oh, okay. So it's been one of the movies I've been hearing on some of the podcasts and different websites that I visit. And it's the story of, as the title says, these identical strangers. And there's like they're the way they come about in terms of finding out that they're a part of a set of triplets it was very interesting because one, and this isn't telling too much of the story, but one of the guys goes to college and everyone's is starting to like give him kind of props and be like, Hey, what's up? I, uh, I didn't think you were coming back. And, and he's like confused. And then he runs into a guy who at the school knew a guy who looked exactly like him, but he knew that it wasn't him because he knew that the other guy wasn't coming back to school. So he was like, asked the guy, Hey, you know, are you adopted? And the guy's like, yeah. And he goes, is your birthday such and such? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you're not going to believe this, but you have a, 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 a twin. And then obviously a guy is like dumbfounded because he doesn't really know or believe that. And they go and call the other guy and then they confirm it and they meet up and then they find out like, wow, okay, we are twins. And then through this, there's this big story that comes out in the newspapers and everything about these two identical guys that have found each other after all these years. And they're about 19 or so. And then throughout this story, um, someone else is, someone else catches wind of this fact that there's these two identical twins and they see it in the paper and then they find the third twin that way. And so it becomes this huge national story and they start appearing on like a lot of the talk shows of the time, like Phil Donahue and just like going on uh, local news and just everything that you would imagine. And they hit it off sort of instantly as these triplets and they find that they have the same sort of mannerisms and same aspects. And then, um, you know, this is all within like the first hour of the documentary, but then it takes a, a, a twist and that's all I'll say. I'll leave it there. And so I, I, I will say it was very compelling watching this documentary. Um, it, it went in a direction I had no clue that it was going. And so uh, I would highly suggest it to, to watch it. I'm not sure where else it's available right now. Like I said, I caught it on CNN when it came on last week, I believe. So maybe it's still out there, but uh, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, I mean, quickly like Googling it, I see that it's uh, they're still airing it occasionally on CNN. For example, like tonight, it's going to be airing at 9 and 11. Okay. Um, so I don't know for in future days for the next week or two, if that's going to be the case, but probably. Yeah. I, and, and obviously by the time this episode comes out, it will already be past tonight. So right. maybe hopefully it's, it's somebody can catch it out there on CNN at a later date and time. Maybe you can even record it and get a chance to watch it later. Yeah. Maybe I, 
Maybe I should. It does look too like it's available for I don't I guess rental. Like it pops up here that it's available on Amazon Prime for four bucks. So mm, okay. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. I, I like the week before when I watched the Fire Festival, which I thought was very interesting as well. This is right up there also in terms of how the story just takes hold of you and grabs you and keeps you kind of on the edge of your seat as you're mm. watching this thing. So yeah, it, it's worth checking out. Nice. And finally, uh, there was a new movie that came out on Netflix yesterday, the velvet buzzsaw, which is Dan Gilroy's movie. He wrote and directed and it has Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Renee Russo, uh, John Malkovich, uh, Tony Collette, and David Diggs. And you, like, with the, that cast is obviously pretty all-star. I mean, there's a lot of good names in there. And Dan Gilroy did one of my favorite movies a few years ago when he did Nightcrawler that had Renee Russo and Jake Gyllenhaal in it as well. And so matching all these people back up again, it's this story of like a, an art dealership or an art house that one of the workers there discovers a man who has died and left all these paintings. And she essentially takes the paintings and they, in this art world, they find that these paintings are invaluable and decide to sell them. But as they have this, sort of aspect of the the story where they're they're ex- they're getting deeper into digging into this guy's who died there's something essentially supernatural about these paintings and it takes this sort of um horror movie turn to it and i will say based on concept it's very interesting, and I thought like the the idea of it was a, a cool way to dress up a a horror film, but in execution, it was just whatever. It was kind of okay. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, did you get a chance to watch it? Uh, I did. I also watched this, and actually, uh, if you go check out Spoiler Effect, Michelle and I recorded a Spoiler Effect for this. Um. But yeah, uh, I watched it and um, I will say this was an interesting um, exercise in seeing a movie completely blind for me, which because I never watched a trailer for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing I had ever heard about it was when Yasha spoke about it on this podcast, I think an episode or two back when the trailer dropped and he, he talked about it a little bit and um All I really knew was that it was made by Dan Gilroy, which, by the way, I had never seen a film by him before. He's, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, he's directed Nightcrawler. And also that uh, the film with um, Denzel Washington, which the name is escaping me. Um, Roman J. Israel Esquire. There Um, you go. Yes. Yeah, I never saw either of those movies. And Nightcrawler is a movie I have heard a ton about a lot of rave reviews of that movie i it's just one of those movies i've just missed trust me i've always wanted to see it it just hasn't happened Mm -hmm. um so yeah and i i never watched the trailer for this i had seen like a still image and that is it um 
So it was an interesting experience watching this completely blind. And I will say, I do not think it was to the movie's benefit watching this movie, having no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) Like, I feel (laughs) like if I had watched a trailer, which I haven't watched yet, I kind of wish I had watched it before we were recording this. And unfortunately I haven't yet. I'm curious to watch the trailer to see if, if I then still feel like, man, I, I should have watched this trailer first. Cause I, I think it would have helped to have gone into this with at least some sense of the, the genre movie quality that this movie has, which I, I went into it going, okay, so this is a movie made by this guy that made Nightcrawler, which is apparently this really great film. And look at this movie. It's got, like you've already said, it's, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and Tony Collette and Rene Russo and John Malkovich and David Diggs. And I mean, like, look at this cast and this director is apparently great. Right. And I watched it and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it kind of caught me off guard, I guess is maybe a way to put it. Um, I think the other thing is to, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe for those people who do kind of either follow or even exist in the kind of the, the world of art, maybe this would uh, just be more entertaining to them because this is obviously making a statement, you know, without getting, I'm not going to get into spoilers here, but it's definitely making a statement about the, you know, the kind of people with way too much money spending way too much money on art that really doesn't even deserve some of the recognition it's getting. <laughs> and it's, mm. it's obviously making a statement on that. And for me, you know, I love art, but I'm not one, I don't follow the art world. It's just not something I follow. And it's, you know, I feel like it's, this isn't a movie necessarily for me in that sense. I mean, I think the one entertaining thing about this film is just seeing these actors that we all know and love, like in these kind of roles, which are kind of interesting, different roles for them, kind of fun roles, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I found myself imagining like I'm watching this movie and I'm most of the way through it. And I'm thinking, you know what this movie, if this movie was, acted just as well as it's being acted by these actors, but they were a bunch of unknowns. You would watch this and go, Oh, this is kind of subpar direct to DVD fair (laughs) in my opinion, you know, but the fact that it is Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo and Tony Collette, it's like, Oh, it's kind of fun to watch them play these parts. But if these were nobodies, I'd be like, what what is this? (laughs) Like, but so, I mean, I, I feel like you and I kind of, it sounds like we have the same general opinion on it. It was kind of, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it. It was just, it was kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe, if, yeah. I feel like if you go into it with the right mindset, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to turn on Netflix and watch kind of a interesting kind of almost silly movie. It's not silly. Silly is not the best way to describe it, but just, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't think I went into it having watched a trailer either. I think I knew just the, the, I think I knew just a little bit about what the story was about, or at least that it dealt with art and, um, some other aspects, but I don't, I didn't know much. And I, I would say I went into it not completely cold, but fairly cold. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of like you said, it's, it's just sort of there and it it doesn't seem like 
it, it seems like it found the right home. And if that makes sense, definitely, it, like, yes. it doesn't seem like something that should have been in the theater. And it just seems like it'd be something that like you said, if you kind of are familiar with this world or just you're passing by Netflix and you saw these different people and maybe watch the little teaser that they usually give, if you kind of hold it on something, then maybe it'd be something for you to, to watch and, and, and have a little bit of interest in. But if you kind of have an aspect of knowing what this is and you've seen Dan Gilroy's other stuff, then there's a higher expectation, especially with some of the actors that are in there. And it just, it just feels kind of like it's, um, it, it, it doesn't have enough in it in terms of if it's trying to be a genre specific, like in horror, it doesn't feel like it has enough weight to it, if that makes sense. It, it just feels very um, like it's trying to ride this line and, and, and it doesn't do justice to either the, the way that it's trying to tell the story. Right. It, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I It could have been way better. It could have had more impact. And, and like you said, it is trying to convey a, spe- a specific message and even – in just in art in general, I mean, you could kind of look at it as the way that uh, whether it's movies, TV, music, the way that uh, we consume these things and how we also critique it and, and just a larger sort of conversation about that is being at play in the movie. But it doesn't do enough to really kind of... Uh, sort of massage those edges of, of that commentary is just kind of surface level of it. And then it's, like I said, sort of intermixed with this horror element that it's just kind of flat. Yeah. I think I just, if I had known I was going into a movie that was like, this is kind of a satire, I guess. Like it don't like, don't take this too seriously. It's, it doesn't seem to be making a kind of a deep statement like then I'd be like, oh, okay, but I don't know. I guess given what I had heard about Nightcrawler and I went into it, I think definitely with the wrong mindset. <laughs> and then it takes, a, it, it takes the movie a while to kind of reveal that like, Oh, this is kind of a, a horror film. Like I didn't expect this. <laughs> um, maybe if I'd done that too, I don't know. I just, I'll never know. Maybe I still wouldn't have enjoyed it, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just kind of where I am. I will say, um, you know, Michelle's not here. She wasn't able to record with us, but, uh, she did seem to enjoy it quite a bit more than I did. So, yeah. you know, for those wondering if you should watch it. And I would say like, if, you know, if anywhere would ask me like, Oh, Hey, you know, I just want to watch something on Netflix. Is it worth watching? I mean, again, I haven't watched the trailer yet, so I don't know what the trailer makes this movie look like, but feel like if you watch the trailer and you it does kind of give you that sense of like hey just something don't take it too seriously and you just want to kind of have a enjoyable kind of random watch just say it might be worth it i mean it's again it's interesting to see these actors in these parts that i especially kind of like tony collette and her role but jake gyllenhaal too he's he's good in it um but i don't know yeah everyone's 
performance was pretty good, except for there was a few, it seemed like, line readings that the main actress had in it that seemed sort of lifeless to me. But essentially, everybody else, I, I thought, did their roles pretty well. And Jake Gyllenhaal continues to be like a chameleon. I mean, you can, he can do yeah. no wrong in terms of whatever kind of character he's playing. But um, yeah, it's just that the story I think fails these actors a lot in, in terms of what they're, what, what the movie is as a whole. Right. And I found it odd too. I don't know what your experience was going into Netflix to watch this, but I don't know. Like I get that Netflix is different for everybody when you sign into your profile and it suggests certain movies based on your, you know, things you watch and the things you like. But, you know, normally they definitely have movies that they're kind of pushing or featured films. And when I went into the app to find this, like it was not at all like placing this movie in a prominent position of like, ooh, look at this new movie we have by this, you know, well-regarded director and all these great actors. Like I had to search for it to find it, <laughs> like, which I yep, found kind of here. odd. And this movie just dropped literally yesterday as of this recording on the first, and it just premiered a week ago at Sundance. Um, yeah, I just found that really weird that they weren't like at all like pushing it in my app. I'm like, they were right. still, they just still had, was it Polar featured as like the featured film? I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. It seems kind of odd. I'm like, are you guys in, like, don't have any faith in this? Like, you don't think it's good? Like, <laughs> like it's kind of right. weird to me. Anyway. You know what? And on a on a slightly side note, and as we're talking about Netflix, with them con- constantly adding so much content and more coming out, uh, you know, not only just within this year but in the future, I don't know why they don't do something similar to what HBO does. And that uh, I've been watching True Detective this latest season, and it's been really good and i'm sure you've seen it too when you watch game of thrones is that right before game of thrones starts or one of their original series start they show like these you know based to music or whatever snippets of some of their other shows to get you to be able to watch it right netflix should do something similar in that in this like they have so many original programming for different things why not like a little bumper in front of what you're about to watch to just say, hey, these things are here. Maybe you might like it. And because they do nothing to really showcase it in a sense, unless they really want to, like how they did with Roma. But other things seem to get the the shaft in that way. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that specifically came up recently. Like it was something Netflix was planning on doing. And I feel like there was pushback because I think the way it was like presented at least out in like social media and in news was like, Oh, they're going to start adding ads to your films or your TV shows. And people, Mm -hmm. people of course react to that. Like, Oh wait, I'm already paying this much for Netflix and it hasn't had ads up until now. So why should they add ads? (laughs) You know I mean? And I get what you're saying. Like what you're describing would not bother me because you're right. Like when, no. when I go into HBO, I'm even watching old Game of Thrones episodes now, and their their app is designed that it's showing me stuff that is new. You know, like right in front of the episode. And I believe Amazon Prime does the same thing. I don't watch a lot of stuff on there, but I, if I remember correctly, when I have watched things as a Prime member, it will many times add just a quick little you know bumper on the front of like, hey, things that are exclusive to Amazon Prime. 
And, and it's fine. It doesn't really bug me as long as you're not cutting into the middle of my programming to show me ads. Right. Like, I don't care. Um, so yeah, I don't know and why they don't actually, do that. And the other aspect is that it's not an ad ad. It's not like I'm watching a commercial for Tide. Right. Or, or you know, <laughs> right. it, it's still advertising at least their programming that they have for their for their streaming service. So it's like it's a good way of discovery. And especially because they don't have a really good way for discovery on their on their app. It's just kind of the wild wild west still and 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 that's been a complaint for so many years you'd think someone would have addressed it by now yeah it seems weird but yeah so yeah feel like we're on the same page with velvet buzzsaw it's it's interesting i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> i still want to see nightcrawler i don't know, I'm, yes, i haven't lost any faith in that movie but yeah that's the one to see for sure. In fact, I think, and I could be wrong at this point, but you know, I remember at some point in time last year, it was available on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there, but oh, yeah, okay. you can see it there on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I've been watching. What about you? I mean, as far as new things, Velvet Buzzsaw is it. That's really all I've seen. I, I'm, I'm continuing with my Game of Thrones marathon. I'm in season two now. Okay. Um, so moving along with that, the only other thing that I kind of alluded to earlier that I started watching this week, which is very, it's going to appear very random. It's not completely random for me, but I started watching actually the HBO miniseries, John Adams. Is um, that the one with, um, Paul Giamatti? Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. I can't think of his name. Okay. Yeah. That's a few years old. Yeah. It was in 2008. Um, wow, ten years, oh, eleven years at this point, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but I'm oh. like, man. <laughs> but also, there's, uh, I'm watching it. I've only seen the first two episodes, and I believe it's a how many episodes is it? I believe it's seven or eight episodes. It's seven. So I've seen the first two, and there's a child. One of John Adams's children is played by an actor, and I'm watching it, going, "Man, this kid looks really familiar, really familiar." And mm. I realize he's in Game of Thrones, but in Game of Thrones, he's also a child, but definitely older than this, a little bit older. Anyway, it, it took me. It it's still like even seeing that kind of helped me because at the time I couldn't remember what year this show came out, and I'm seeing this kid and going when I finally realized who he was, I'm like, wait, this is younger than, Oh yeah, that's right. I guess this was before game of Thrones. I mean, game of Thrones has been around for that. Yeah. A while. <laughs> would you have known that if you hadn't been rewatching game of Thrones, did you, it, I mean, you would have recognized them before that. I, I, that's hard to say. Cause I might have, but there's no doubt that I had just seen that okay. kid. It's, it's the child <laughs> who, um, and see, I'm, I'm even recently watching Game of Thrones and I'm not going to get these names right. But uh, um, the Stark mother, her sister, remember, you know, and it, her sister has a child who's basically at her side all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, okay. that kid. God, I forgot about them. Yeah. That's the thing about rewatching Game of what Thrones, man. What happened to that kid? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think I don't think we ever find oh, out, okay. do we? I don't remember. Okay. I'll let you know when Maybe I finish you watching. <laughs> I know what happened to the mother, but I don't remember the Yeah, I don't remember either. Okay. <laughs> anyway. 
Um, so yeah, and the, and the reason behind kind of rewatching that is so this is a show that Michelle has mentioned to me many times. Oh yeah, you haven't watched John Adams? You got to watch John Adams. And it came up recently because we are going to see Hamilton soon. And mm. I think with that in mind is why it came up in her head. Like, Hey, I've been thinking about rewatching John Adams. Like you should watch John Adams. So I'm like, all right, fine. Th- threw on a couple episodes. Um, so, I mean, obviously this show's 10 years old. There's nothing new to report. I will say so far, I'm like, I, I am definitely a lover of American history. I just find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. So just in that respect, I, I find it fascinating. I mean, I will say the first two episodes so far, especially that second episode, which is all about the, you know, the Declaration of Independence. It feels like the show is a little too much on fast forward for me. Like, I, for me, as someone who loves this stuff, I'm like, man, you could have done a whole season on that first episode and then a whole season on this second episode <laughs> and a whole season probably mm. on the next episode, the third episode, you know, like, but instead we're getting a mini series where it's just seven episodes. And I feel like the way it's going through information, it's like, I feel like you're, you're fast forwarding through this a bit too much, but at the same time. I'm guessing most people are probably just fine with the way it is. <laughs> Obviously, I know mm. the show was really well received when it came out, so I don't know. That, but that anyway, I'm just mentioning that. That's that's the only other new new thing to me that I've been watching. So you're definitely in to watch the whole thing, then, though. I mean, yeah, it's only seven episodes. I mean, they are long. Like that second episode was basically it was an hour and a half. They're little movies, but it's just a mini series. I'll just I'll watch the seven episodes and yes. move on. So I guess so. Okay, that kind of wraps up what you've been watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unless I'm forgetting okay, something. Well, that's pretty much it for me for this week. I have a question for you as as we're talking about this, and you mentioned that you you're watching John Adams. What in general do you watch? Do is there anything that you watch like on a regular basis? Uh, not that's airing right now. <laughs> like I will say the <laughs> only things that in the, I feel like the past couple years that I feel like I've watched pretty religiously, like game of Thrones is definitely like, that is the show that I'm like, I watch it when it airs. And if I can't watch it when it airs, I am watching it as quickly as possible because one, I just love the show. And two, it's definitely that show where it's like, it is really in the, the, the zeitgeist of everyone is talks about it. You can't scroll through Twitter or Facebook and not see things about it. So I'm like, I can't, I can't have it spoiled. Like, and that's not to say like, if I say I do miss an episode and I can't watch it for a day or two, it's not like I can't resist social media. I just won't use social media for a couple of days. <laughs> but mm-hmm. That show I watch, um, Silicon Valley. I, I watch as it airs usually. Um, that's about it. You're caught up on that show? Yeah, I'm caught up in that. Um, yeah, there's not a lot that I'm like regularly watching. Like like network TV, there's almost nothing. Like Can you? I could. I just don't. <laughs> like I <laughs> So there's nothing else like, like I feel like the, the one show I used to kind of regularly and- watch, like Big Big Bang Theory. I don't know. I've kind of lost, I've kind of lost interest in it. Like to me, these later seasons of that show have just like, it's just not the same anymore. No. And 
and it's fine. Shows evolve, but I feel like it's morphed into a different kind of, oh man, what's the word? It's just, I don't know, just a different setup with the cast and the relationships and everything. It's just not what I fell in love with when that show first started. And I'm like, eh, it's just, it's not for me. Hmm. I know it's confusing, right? <laughs> well, I mean, in, in a certain sort of way, it kind of is just because I just always assumed that you, you've got a pretty busy household and you work in everything else. And you also want to make time to go out and live life and stuff. Yeah. So I figure most of it is because you're doing those things and don't really have time to watch anything. But when you say you could watch something, it surprises me because there's a lot of good content because we're living in sort of the golden age of uh, TV and, and everything that's available. So I would think that there's got to be something out there that's, you know, you would you say, OK, I'm going to make time for this hour long show once a week that comes on and, and, and get into it. Well, and that's the thing, too, like when I you brought up Deadly Class. Like that's mm-hmm. a new show that it piqued my interest seeing commercials for it. And I'm like, it's new. I could jump into that. So my problem is I have a real issue with once I get too far behind, then I have to decide. I'm like, well, there's a lot of shows I haven't watched or I'm behind on. So which which of those do I choose? Mm-hmm. But I need you're right. I feel like I need to like stay on top of oh man, this this new show looks like it could be worth checking out i should i need to jump into it now and not get too far behind and then you know like deadly classify you said it's like maybe like four episodes in maybe i'll Mm -hmm. watch those four episodes and fall in love with it and i'll keep up with that Mm -hmm. but um another show that came in mind stranger things i've always watched that right when they release it okay Um, i guess i think like in terms of like, let's say, because we talked about Star Trek Discovery, and, mm-hmm. and that's a show that you've been watching, but you just sort of fell off on. Like, I, I I think, like, what if you just were to pick five shows, whether you're behind on them or whether they're new, and you throw them in the bowl of destiny and let <laughs> decide which show you should pick up. And you don't, I mean, you're, you're unless you felt the, the, the drive and the need to binge, then like like let's say the bowl chose the Star Trek Discovery for you, the, uh, and unless you feel like you have to catch up to current season, you could just still watch it as one episode per week and catch up when you catch up. Because yeah, eventually I'll you catch know, up once. Yeah, and especially since this show isn't on like a yearly cycle, I, it doesn't seem like it. I think I, you know by the time this season ends, I don't know that the next season won't come back until next year at some point maybe and it's not like it's a 22 episode seasons kind of thing so it it seems like that would be a show you could probably catch up on even before this season were were to end if you just watched an episode a week right yeah no you're right absolutely i I should especially with star trek discovery i need to get on top of that yeah, I just I I yeah, I, yeah, I would just think like, you know, especially well, maybe not especially, but it just feels like we're sort of in a little bit of a lull in terms of movies right now. Yeah, oh yeah. So it's like, oh, this would be the perfect time to kind of jump back into something. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, you want to talk some news? Yeah, yeah, we got a little time. What's been going on? Well, 
we got a trailer this this week for the Hobbs and Shaw, which is the spinoff for Fast and Furious. And in, in the Hobbs and Shaw, it's with The Rock and Jason Statham. Did you get a chance to watch a trailer? I did. I did watch that. Oh, okay. So Yasha, he's not here, but he did text in our text thread that he was looking forward to it, that it looks right. awesome. Yeah. Did, what were your thoughts? I'm curious. Mixed feelings on this trailer. I, okay. In one respect, it looks like it could be a lot of fun. Um, where it, in the sense of, hey, you know, uh, it's kind of a buddy action comedy almost between like The Rock and Jason Statham. I can get behind that with Idris Elba as the villain. Okay. Now, I don't know if I was really expecting like the villain to be this kind of like super powered enhanced being thing that that was like oh okay that's interesting i wasn't expecting that so i was kind of unsure what to think about that um i don't know but so it looks like a buddy kind of action comedy film but at the same time it's kind of has this fast and furious vibe to it and i can dig that that's cool like so i mean overall i will say it looks like it could be fun I will say as a trailer goes, I found the trailer like kind of annoying. Like, and I say that, I don't know. There's a lot of times I think we talk about trailers and I usually kind of bring up like how the trailer is actually edited and put together. And there was something about the way that this trailer was done. And I only watched it the one time I meant to watch it again, especially with the way they used music in it is it felt kind of jumpy. It felt like it didn't, didn't, uh, I don't know. It felt a little all over the place. Like, okay. it kind of it didn't feel well edited is basically what I'm trying to say. And it kind of annoyed me. Um, there was times where it jumped around and then would jump back into this theme or this piece of music they were using and then kind of jump out of it and then back in it. And it just felt wrong, just if, mm-hmm. that, if that makes sense. I, I didn't like the trailer as trailers go, but... The shit in the movie looks like it could be fun. I haven't watched the most. I think it was just that last Fast and Furious film. Um, you didn't watch that no, one? No, I never saw it. Mm. But I've always okay. been one that's mostly defended that that franchise, you know, t- to everyone who feels like, oh, man, that's just a stupid, terrible, like, franchise. It's, you know, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this show where it's actually, it, it went through a kind of kind of a rebuild how you know what like four movies in and it really did something i i thought that was entertaining and then it started to go off the deep end <laughs> like eventually mm-hmm. those last couple of movies i feel like i was like oh, okay now i'm done yeah they've definitely been ramping up the the over-the-top cartoony aspect of the series yeah. within the last couple especially the last one i i like Charlize Theron and in this in the Fast and Furious movie it, she just really felt kind of like a cartoon villain and there's no intricate layer to her as a villain so and it was not that she was horrible or bad in the role it was just her sort of having fun with it and everything which is fine but it just seems like everything that surrounds those movies it's like they're constantly trying to figure out a way to one-up themselves and it shows. So that 
started to wane on me a little bit in the last movie. But the thing that I guess really kind of grinds me is that Jason Statham's character was revealed to be behind the death of Han in the movies for the Fast and Furious. And that character, he had been first featured in Tokyo Drift, but then, you know, they kind of end up showing you that character prior to a, a lot of the things that happen based on the, the numbering of the movies and whatnot. And so when you see that Jason Statham kills Han to try to get revenge for uh, his brother that was in one of the other Fast and Furious movies, it's like, okay, well, he's a bad guy. And then in the last uh, Fast and Furious movie, it's kind of like they... I wouldn't say they they kind of um, it's not like they they brush over it, but at the same time, they don't really fully address it. And so then you go into this movie. I remember when they first announced that they were doing a, a Hobbs and Shaw. I was like, well, why? why? Like, he's not a good guy. And in the, in the, in the trailer, they kind of show that they don't like each other. But it's kind of like. Yes, granted, uh, the the character that The Rock plays, Hobbs, didn't like really know Han like that. And so it wasn't like it was his friend per se. But at the same time, it's like we're supposed to kind of care about Jason Statham's character. But yet, if you've been following the movies, why would you be invested in it? So it's just very weird for me from that perspective, from a story perspective. But if I pull myself away from the story perspective and just look at it as from what the trailer gives, there's a deep, decent amount of action to it. And I'm sure there's going to be more within the film itself because David Leach is directing, who helped direct the John Wick. And he did... Um, the one with Charlize Theron that I'm forgetting the name of, but it didn't do anything to me in that trailer that looked um, inventive. It, it, it just kind of looked like the same type of action you normally would get, but just with Jason Statham and The Rock being able to do the action. So it didn't really move the needle for me. It, it, was, it was just kind of like, yeah, I know I'm going to see it, but it, this trailer didn't get me excited to see it. Hmm. Yeah, I guess like kind of with what you're saying, back when the movie was first announced, especially because I haven't seen that last movie. Was yeah. it Furious 7 or Fast uh, 7 or... 8, I think. Was there 8? Yeah, because the next one is 9 and then the last one is supposed to be 10, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm behind. <laughs> I'm so thrown off. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so Furious 7 came out in 2015. But he was in, because it looks like Jason Statham is credited as being in 6 and 7. and Because he is sort of like in a, in a like a in tag scene of oh, 6. That's when we've seen, okay. Okay, now I'm getting my bearings. I'm getting my bearings as to when that happened. So that scene was okay. at the end of six. Mm-hmm. So he's really featured in seven. Correct. And then yeah. it's funny because now for the life of me, I, I'm with you. I, I, well, I'm with you in that. I w- at first, 
when it was announced that this was going to be a movie and these two are going to be like working together, I was confused because I was like, well, wait a second. Isn't he a, a bad guy? And, and not only that, but the rocks character, it, you know, all of these guys are kind of in a way, bad guys, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're definitely not right. abiding by the law, but for, I mean, what was the rocks character? Didn't he work for like the FBI or, um, it's some sort of government organization. Yeah. I can't remember the specific one, but yeah, I want to say DEA, but it's probably not. So that, this, this guy is law enforcement and yeah. this guy is completely the opposite of that. I'm like, I'm confused. How is this going to work? And then for life of me, I'm like, wait, I can't remember what really happens with Jason Statham's character in that movie that he was in furious seven. Like, I don't, I don't remember. Well, he spent most of the time trying to get revenge on the crew right. and fighting against everyone. And then he gets, uh, if I'm remembering right, he gets sent to prison. He gets caught and sent to prison. And then in eight, he gets out, released or something in order to go after. He's going after Charlize Theron because I think he worked for her at some point or someone did mm -hmm. and so he had his own motives for going after her and which kind of aligned with the team going after her mm -hmm. because that's when Toretto was working for her because he or she had leverage over him right okay and so yeah well overall I watched the trailer I'm like yeah okay I just didn't like the trailers trailers go Mm, yeah. So, well, I mean, it'll be big and, and it'll do tons of amount of money because right. it's part of that franchise and it's got the rock in it. So yeah. it's not like it's uh, it's going to be hurting. No, no, no. no. Um, one, one other thing that I wanted to pick your brain about. Uh, DC, they kind of have planted their flag a little bit for the year 2021 they mentioned that they have a batman movie coming out with matt reeves and within that it does seem as though uh, uh ben affleck is out and we don't know in terms of who will be putting on the cowl and then we also kind of got confirmation that well for sure that james gunn is writing a suicide squad movie and I don't know if the ink is dry or if it's still negotiating, but the idea of him directing that Suicide Squad movie, which is set to come out in August of 2021 with uh, Batman coming out in, I think it was June of 2021, June 25th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I forget which outlet I saw that definitely... It, it seemed to write it as he is definitely directing that movie, but... I don't have it in front of me, so don't quote us on that. But yeah, I'm pretty certain that's happening. <laughs> um, and then yeah, like what you're—I mean, jumping back and forth, but then like going to the Batman. Indeed, Deadline reported that you know not only is the movie dated for June 25th, 2021, but they they are saying that uh, from what they're hearing, indeed Ben Affleck will not be back. So it will be a new yeah. Batman. Yeah, which is, for me, bittersweet because I did like Ben Affleck in the role. But I guess overall, I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are because we all know your thoughts on Aquaman. And, you know, you have stated that 
there there's a, a level in, of interest that you're looking towards Shazam for, and then obviously you liked Wonder Woman, and we don't know anything about this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, but that has a potential with when you have someone like that in that role to be a good movie. And then now we also, we didn't really talk about it, but uh, there's some stuff coming out for Birds of Prey, which features Harley Quinn um, and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Are you starting to get more excited for the DC universe now, or are you still kind of like kind of arms folded, not really uh, sure what to make of things just yet? Uh, Overall, I'm optimistic. I know I came out of Aquaman and I was on here saying, if we get more of this, I'm done. And if we do, I would be very unhappy with that. Um, But at the same time, I am definitely a fan of the idea, which seems to be where they're going here, is just making individual films and allowing directors to do what they want to do with those movies and not so much be worried about these movies tying into each other. And I'm definitely a fan of that. Because so far, anyway, DC has not done a good job of let's make a big universe. And they just definitely seem to be trying to jump into all of that way too quickly. Um, but, you know, this Joker film, from the still images we've seen, we've obviously no, seen no footage yet, really. You know, it seems like it's promising. And then, and Matt Reeves, I have all the confidence that this is going to be a solid Batman movie based on what he's done so far. And I'm very excited about it. As it's being called now, the Batman, he said that that may not that may not necessarily be the title, but um, mm-hmm. you know, and even with the idea, it's been said that I don't know if this is true, but it's being reported out there that he's talking about using multiple villains, which usually, mm-hmm. like, I react to that of, oh God, no! Like, any time we've had movies with too many villains, it's always just oh, there's too many villains, but for some reason him him doing it and his confidence in that there's there must be a reason and a story like I'm all in especially too because it sounds like this movie is going to really focus on the detective side of Batman which we really have never seen on film right and that's exciting so I'm very excited about the Batman movie and I'm you know a lot of these movies is individual just dc films i i'm excited about like the the birds of prey film i mean yeah the the teaser we get is basically it looks like a wardrobe test yeah you know and but it, you know we'll see I, that i don't really have much of an opinion on yet because i'm just like eh, what i don't know what we're getting but based on the cast i'm excited mm-hmm. um and Suicide Squad. Oh, and Suicide Squad with James Gunn, it, it's I'm interested. I would, I'd like to think I would be like, oh my god, James Gunn, like this is going to be exciting. And I do love James Gunn, and I was bummed, and I still am upset that he's not returning to Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's insane. Right. I say that too, though, going, and eh, I really didn't love Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So, you know, I, I, I don't fall into that camp of, oh, James Gunn can do no wrong. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the case, actually. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does with Suicide Squad because, yeah, that first film was not good. So, uh, yeah, but it made money, hence why we're getting a sequel. So, 
I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting to have him on board writing and directing it. You know, it's what, what I find interesting about him writing and directing it is that if you just take what he's done already in this superhero world with what he did at Marvel and you look at the guardians and he took a, a team of characters that nobody knew for the most part. And not only did he make them household names and characters that people loved, he also took them as source material and, and massaged it a little because as that iteration stands that we have in the movies that wasn't necessarily the first guardians of the galaxy team and so it's a similar kind of aspect with suicide squad in that there's been lots of different people who have been in the suicide squad and a lot of different interesting characters so to me it's it's like knowing james gunn's um eclectic aspect of his personality i feel like he'll pick pretty um, interesting characters to be part of this Suicide Squad and to see what he does with them. That's where my interests lie in, in terms of how he crafts that particular narrative. Um, with the Batman thing, yeah, as, as you mentioned with Matt Reeves directing, he's absolutely a, a director that you can feel fairly confident about. I mean, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that he's done that I didn't like. And knowing that he had an idea essentially for the Batman movie that he's going to do and uh, that he's also leaning in heavy on the detective skills is something that immediately grabs me because that's something that I've always wanted to see in a Batman movie is the fact that he's called the world's greatest detective and we've never seen it to a large degree on screen and so i remember at some one point in time someone mentioned like what if you could see a batman movie done in the vein of seven or something like that and i was like oh that you yeah. know <laughs> that would be pretty awesome yeah, so pretty i i don't know that he'll go that Dark, dark or that in right. that in that way, but you know, just in general, the idea of it makes you feel like you're going to get something fresh and new and a different take. And I'm excited for that. And it, the 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 curiosity comes into play is that one, what time frame will this movie take place? Because he's stated before, or I don't know if it's public knowledge that he stated it, but it seems like it's just been reported out there that he's looking for a younger Batman. So does that mean this takes place in the past or do they just kind of just wash away continuity and just say it takes place in current and mm -hmm. he's, you know, just a different actor, whatnot. And so there's that that has me curious. And the same thing with uh, Suicide Squad. There's those questions there. Will they bring back Will Smith as Deadshot or Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn? Or is it all new characters and not even acknowledging the, the older characters? So it's 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 kind of like they've got that mystery aspect going for them, too, where we don't know certain things beyond just not knowing about the movie 
in and of themselves, right. like plot details and stuff like that. So it, it's it's they have me kind of curious there. And the only thing I feel like is missing from for me from DC beyond the obvious is is you know the thing that's missing that's the obvious thing to me is another Superman movie. But beyond that, I feel like the thing that's missing for me is incorporating a new Green Lantern movie in this universe somehow. Because that would work really well on screen and if they did it right and you get glimpses of what that could be like when you see the Green Lantern core in the uh, original movie with Ryan Reynolds. But done properly, that could be something special also. So aside from Superman, that's the only other thing I'm really waiting for DC to kind of throw out there. Right. Yeah, the Green Lantern thing just seems... I mean, and they've announced a couple times, you know, a movie that's obviously not happening. Mm -hmm. And it just, I don't know, it feels like they're still really hesitant to go back to a movie where it is pretty mostly regarded as being pretty bad by most people. And yeah, I don't know. They seem scared of it, you know? I feel like they're scared of it mostly because they don't have they there was a statement. I don't know if it was by Toby Emmerich or if it was Walter Hamada. But one of the guys had mentioned one of them had mentioned the aspect of the direction and and focus for D.C. right now with their movies is being um, our tour driven director driven kind of movies. And I feel like if that's the case, maybe they haven't had the right director step up to want to take on the Green Lantern for them to really have faith in it. Because like you said, uh, that first movie left a bad taste in people's mouths, but to a certain degree, even though it made money, same thing could be said for Suicide Squad, but with James Gunn attached to it, they're willing to roll the dice and think that they can get a better outcome this time, at least critically. Um, obviously, it made money, so there's right. there's that. But uh, at least to have the more people sort of backing it, they get someone like James Gunn. So I feel like maybe they just haven't had the right person uh, come in for a Green Lantern that has has an idea or a passion for it or, or, or the, the want for that movie. So they're just kind of relying on the things that they have right now that they feel can work and, and waiting. And there's no, they don't probably feel any urgency to put a Green Lantern movie out there anytime soon, which makes sense because it's not tying into anything right now. So why roll the dice on it if there's nothing really that they're confident about? Right. And yeah, I'm with you in terms of Superman, like, I mean, I've said again and again, it would be nice to, you know, to have a a super, I mean, a steel sequel, but I I don't see that happening. I mean, as, as much as I love Henry Cavill in the role, it seems like he's done. And if anything with them kind of going on a different track with these, you know, kind of individual movies, fine re recast Superman and do something different with an interesting director. But if you like, if they're going to do that, they're going to wait some time before they do that. You know, I don't know. 
Yeah. And the other possibility is that I read something somewhere, but it didn't seem like it was from a, a big publication. So I never, well, I didn't put a ton of weight into it, but I had read on something, the idea that maybe Warner Brothers is going to lean towards Supergirl and have her. Yeah. I've heard that somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, that would, for me, kind of suck just because it's like they're 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 gun shy of Superman, and then that they feel as though this might spark interest because it's a, a female character, and that that may drive more interest, which it could. But I mean, Superman is Superman, and it, it seems so counterintuitive to put him on the back burner because he keeps being put on the back burner so many times, you know, since the Brandon Routh movie. Especially, too, when you have a show. I guess it's the same thing as The Flash, and everyone was all like, oh, you've recast The Flash for the movies, and we have a show. and Right. And I liked Flash and Justice League, but at the same time, yeah, I'm not I'm not clamoring to see a Flash film right now and Supergirl. Like, I don't watch Supergirl, but if I wanted in Supergirl content, I'd go watch the show. I don't. Yeah, it seems funny to yeah. me that then you'd make a movie and recast it, I'm sure. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> one day, one day they'll get their act together. I mean, you can only you can only not do Superman for so long he has to be a part of things at some point. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, uh, with that, I think it's time to wrap things up. Um, as always, we'd love to hear back from everyone listening. You can email us at feedback at flickereffect.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at flicker underscore effect. And, uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, you can find us there at youtube.com forward slash flicker effect. Uh, with that, I'm David Lott. I'm Bobby Jackson. Thanks for listening.